0: All right. well good morning Trace Church. How are we doing this morning? How's everybody doing? Feeling good? So thankful that you're here with us this morning, especially if this is your first time here. I want to extend a special welcome to you. We truly are uh, grateful. Grateful that you've taken some time out of your Sunday morning. You could be doing a lot of other things, we get that. But for whatever reason, maybe it was on the other end of an invitation, maybe you saw something on Facebook. Uh, I maybe saw a sign, I don't know what brought you here, but we're glad you're here. And so thanks for being here and being a part of this. If you are new, let me give you a little bit of an idea of who we are. We gather here every week. Every Sunday we do this. And we come in here and we celebrate God's love together. We learn about God's love together. And then when we leave this place, we take that love and we go leave traces of it everywhere we go. And so uh, for those of you that have been sharing with me some of your stories of how you're doing that, how you're leaving traces of God's love all over the city, thank you. I kid you not, it's one of the highlights, if not the highlight of my week. When I get an email from you, when you share something on Facebook, and you're talking about how you're leaving traces of God's love, living out our mission in this city, uh, it's the highlight of my week. And so some of you have been sharing stories from the uh, exercise that we did a few weeks ago where we handed out envelopes. And if you weren't here, a few weeks ago we handed out envelopes, gave away thousands of dollars in each envelope. There was either a $20 bill or a $100 bill. And we said, listen, we want you, these envelopes have already been prayed over, but we want you to pray over these envelopes as well. And our hope is that God will open our eyes and get the focus off of ourselves because all of us, if we're honest, focus on ourselves too much. God, get the focus off of ourselves. Open our eyes. Help us to see people again. And when we see people again, let us be prepared to leave a blessing in their life. And so we gave you envelopes of a $20 bill, $100 bill, and you've been sharing stories of how God has been opening your eyes. Now, somebody, raise your hand if you were not here and you were not a part of that. You did not receive an envelope. Raise your hand if you were not here. This guy right here, right here. Come on down. I got your envelope right here. So you never know what's going to happen. It might be the hundreds. It might be the hundred. Take that. It says, leave a trace of God's love in there. And uh, that's why you never miss church every week, guys. You don't miss church because you never know if you're going to get an envelope with money in it. But uh, we didn't do that to be gimmicky. We didn't do that because it's like, hey, what's this? We did that because we honestly believe that if we can open our eyes to see people again, it will help us live out the mission that we put in place as this church to start leaving a trace of God's love everywhere we go. And here's what we're learning. As we start to open our eyes and see people again, as we start to get the focus off of ourselves and onto other people, I believe that all of us are moving in the direction of Jesus. And when we move closer to Jesus, we actually start to be more like Jesus. And guys, as a church, the more that we will become more like Jesus, the more that we'll represent his complete and perfect love. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. And we will give people in our lives a much more compelling reason to even give this place a shot or other churches. It's not all about us. When we actually live out this mission, we give people a depiction of Jesus that's more accurate than what many people have experienced. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. Now, on the other end of this idea of moving in the direction of Jesus, which we all hope to do, let's talk about our current reality. Because our current reality is not that more people are moving toward Jesus and toward the church. But they're actually moving away from the church. They're moving away from God. And we need to talk about that. And so we're going to talk about that this morning. Now there are various reasons why this has taken place. A lot of it has to do with how Jesus is spoken about. And so if you saw the title of the sermon, if you may, we put it out on Facebook. Of course I talked about it last week. One of our main focuses this morning is how we talk about Jesus. And the idea is that we need to start speaking of Jesus rather than speaking about Jesus. That one little word, of, a preposition, a word that often gets overlooked, a word that if you put it in a title of a movie or you put it in a book title, it's not not even capitalized, it's just overlooked because it holds no significance. But for us today, the word of holds incredible significance because we need to learn how to speak Jesus and not speak about him. Now why are people leaving the church? Why are people leaving the church? Now we could give a lot of reasons for that but we're only going to focus on a couple today and one of the main focuses that we're going to have is why people or not why a lot of people are leaving the church but they're leaving it unnecessarily and the reason they're leaving it unnecessarily is because the God that was given to them through description or through Uh, other Christians you know, living out their faith in such a way that was painting a depiction of Jesus that wasn't accurate. Now, at the same time, I need to call a time out and say this, because I want to be careful. I'm not here to throw the church under the bus today. There are a lot of really good churches. There are amazing Christians out there, and a lot of them have made big impacts in my life. So what we're not going to do today is just say, the church has gotten it wrong, and all Christians are horrible. We're not saying that. Because I've been in ministry long enough to also tell you that there have been people that have left the church over very unhealthy reasons, but it wasn't the church's fault, it was unhealthy on their part. They, they left the church because of selfish reasons, and maybe there was conflict, maybe they didn't know how to resolve it, and so it's the easiest thing to do is just to walk away. I want to tell you this, and the only reason I bring this stuff up from time to time is because I truly believe it's a teaching opportunity for us. also let you know the kind of pastor that I'm going to be, Uh, We've had people already leave this church. We're only we've only been here four weeks, and we've already had people leave this church. And one person left our church because I wouldn't give them access to the church database. I wouldn't give them your information. If you've given us your information, which we ask that you do, so we can stay in contact with you, send you emails, keep you up to date on what's going on around Trace, they left because I wouldn't give them access to your information, and they wanted to use it for personal gain. And I need to let you guys know we hold your information very very carefully. And I can assure you that we won't allow anybody to stalk you other than myself. (laughs) So today, we're going to ask for your information. At the end, Corey will come up and say, hey, fill out this connection card. And we we use your information carefully. I promise you we do. But we want to keep you up to date with what's going on around here. And so I need to let you know, sometimes people leave the church for unhealthy reasons. And there's nothing the church could have done about it. And as a pastor, I'll let you know, I'm not the kind of pastor that's going to run after people and... They call this people-pleasing, where it's like, oh, what do we do? How do we hurt your feelings? What can we do to make it better? A lot of times, I've looked at people, and I've said, listen, we love you. And if there's anything that you need from us, please let us know. But I need to let you know this, because I wouldn't be honest with you if I didn't tell you this. And this is when, when I'm looking at people that are leaving the church sometimes. And I say, I think you're taking the problem with you. I think you're taking the problem with you. A lot of people don't want to hear that. But a lot of times, I take the position of a pastor with more of a leadership stance and a coaching stance and teaching opportunities than I do, oh, let me just make sure everything's okay. Now, don't get me wrong. If we ever hurt your feelings, if we ever do anything that we need to take ownership for, I promise you we will take ownership for it. We want you to let us know if you've ever done anything um, that hurt your feelings that caused you to feel something that we don't want you to feel. And so that's going to be a part of our conversation today. And going back to one of our main focuses, it really pivots around this statement. Speaking of Jesus will draw people in, while speaking about Jesus often leads people away. One little word, about versus of. Makes a huge difference. Why are people leaving the church? Why are people walking away from God? A lot of people have done so unnecessarily because the God that was presented to them actually doesn't exist. And the reason he doesn't exist is because we have depicted him in such a way. We have said things in such a way that don't line up with the character and nature of who God is. Now let me have a time of confession. The reason I know this is true, if for no other reason, is because I've done it. I've done it. I've said things about Jesus before in the past that simply were not true. And sometimes we do this out of pure ignorance, where other times we... have We say things because what we're saying, we actually believe it's true, we actually believe that it's right, but we haven't done our due diligence to study the scriptures for ourselves, to read in the gospels for ourselves, to make sure that how we're depicting Jesus and what we're saying about him, how we're speaking of him, lines up with who he really is. And a lot of people have left the church unnecessarily because they've left a God that doesn't actually exist based on how. We've depicted him. We need to talk about that today. Because as a church, I think you would agree with me that we want to make sure that we're representing him well. Now, we're going to mess up at times. But let it not be because we've been careless. And let us remember that God will forgive us. But we want to be very careful with how we're representing who Jesus is. And many of you know this. I mean, if you'll, let's just play a little game. How many of you, if you don't mind, please participate. Sometimes like, oh, I don't want to raise my hand, but just raise your hand. How many of you guys maybe came to this church and you struggled coming here because of past church experiences? Just raise your hand. Look around. Okay? How many of you guys know a family member, friend, neighbor, coworker who maybe you've invited or you don't you're afraid to invite because you know that they've had past church experiences. You've heard them talk about it, and they don't want to come because of that. Look around. Now, once again, it's not always the church's fault. We've got to be clear about that a lot of times it is, and it's my fault. And I want to make sure that you understand that, because when we move in the direction of Jesus this morning, I'm with you. We're going to do this together, and this subject is maybe one of the most important subjects that we could talk about as we build the foundation of this church. So here's what we're going to do. This is going to be a little bit different. We're going to start off this morning by killing some gods. And we're only going to kill two gods this morning. We could kill a lot more gods, and we'll kill more gods in the future, but today we're only going to kill two gods. How many of you guys are freaking out right now? Because they're like, what's he talking about? Yeah, there's a couple people. So the reason we need to do this is because some of these gods are the gods that people have experienced when they've come to church, and it's not an accurate description of who God is. And so if they've experienced this type of God, they left the church unnecessarily because they left a God that does not exist. Let's start with this one. Bodyguard God. Bodyguard God is the God that maybe your mom talked to you about, said, hey, God's going to take care of you. Everything's going to be okay. Nothing bad is going to happen to you. I still have to be careful as a parent to not do this. Bodyguard God says, once you put your faith in Jesus, everything's going to be okay. Like, he'll take care of you. Nothing bad is going to come your direction. You'll be okay. One of the biggest arguments for people who leave the church is because of bodyguard God, because the belief is, if God is good and he's a loving God, why and how does he let such awful things happen to good people? Maybe that's an argument that you've had. But that comes underneath this idea that bodyguard God exists, meaning he's just going to take care of you. He's not going to let anything bad come in your direction. He's just going to make sure that your life is safe and it's, it's, it's easy and you're not going to have to deal with anything hard. This God does not exist. And a lot of people left the church because they were taught to bodyguard God and then they learned, I'm not experiencing that. You told me things are going to be easier when I put my faith in Jesus. Guys, moment of truth. Sometimes they're harder. Sometimes living out our faith, sometimes representing God in our life and speaking of Jesus will make things harder for you. Will bring persecution in your direction I've even had friends and I'm thinking of one person specifically right now who she was an incredibly faithful woman and uh, just a strong strong woman of of Christ and she was diagnosed with cancer and some people in the church that I was a part of at this time this was a long time ago came to her and said you must have an unconfessed sin in your life because it's You shouldn't have cancer, or if you do have cancer, God should be healing you of that cancer, and if he doesn't heal you of that cancer, that means you've got some kind of unconfessed sin in your life. It must be your issue because of bodyguard God. Painful for this young lady, and if she wasn't so strong in her faith, I can assure you she would have turned her back on the church and left unnecessarily because somebody was teaching her about a God that doesn't exist. Let's make sure that we understand this. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says this, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will, everybody say you will. You will will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So Jesus makes it about as clear as he can, you will, you will have sorrows, troubles, trials. Life's gonna be tough sometimes. I'm not just going to step in at every moment and make sure that things are okay. But when trials and troubles do come your direction, take heart. Because I've overcome it. Meaning one day, all that stuff will go away. That's the hope that we have in Jesus. One one day, all the pain does go away. All the trials, all the things that give us angst in this life, they will go away. That's the beautiful promise of the future. But it is not necessarily true today. Now, does that mean we shouldn't pray for God to heal us? Does that mean that we shouldn't ask for God to come in and help us? overcome the sorrows, trials, and troubles in our life? Absolutely not, because he still will help us. But to say that God's just not gonna let anything bad happen is a false God. And so this morning, if that was potentially your experience or somebody that you know, experience they had, it's time to kill bodyguard God. It's time to kill bodyguard God, because he doesn't exist. The other God that we're gonna kill this morning I'm interested if anybody ever watches this online and they only hear this part where it's like, the other God we're going to kill this morning. Um, So watch the whole sermon. If you're watching online, watch the whole sermon. All right. Guilt God. Some churches have done a better job at pushing the agenda of guilt God. Because sometimes people in my position in churches, man, if they can convince you that guilt God exists... They can actually manipulate you a little bit better. They can help you to do the things that they want you to do. They can make, make you feel pressure where it's like, man, if you don't come to church every Sunday, like you're going to hell. Guilt God. Guilt God makes us feel like, man, if I'm not doing enough then I'm not earning God's love. And it leads us into this performance where it's like, hey, I need to read the Bible more. I need to pray more. I need to go to church more. And the only reason we're doing that is because we want to get this guilt off of our shoulders. And we're going to talk more about this when we get to our Christmas series. And I'm really excited about our Christmas series, but I'll give you a little nugget of it now. There should never be a component of performance in our faith. God doesn't say, read the Bible so that you can be a better Christian. He doesn't say to pray so that you can be a better Christian. He doesn't say go to church so that you can be a better Christian. He actually tells us to do those things so that we can be in his presence. Period. Yeah, spend time in my word. Learn about who Jesus is. So that you can be in my presence. Spend some time talking to me. It doesn't have to be fancy. There's no, there's no right or wrong words. Because I want you to be in my presence. Yeah, come and gather at a church a gathering of people to worship and honor God so that you can be in my presence. But guilt God says, no, you do those things because if you don't, God's not going to love you. And then sometimes we feel like God punishes us for the mistakes that we have in our life because of this idea of guilt God. Now, how did we get here? Some would say it's bad theology, and I agree with that, but in its simplest form, we have landed here because we have spoken incorrectly about God and Jesus for far too long. And when it comes to our faith in Christ, when it comes to how we use this book, what we say and how we say it matters. Like it really, really matters. And so let's talk about that together today. For those of you that don't know, Um, A long time ago, again, I never planned to get into ministry. It wasn't my plan, it was God's plan. And in my 20s, I had a bachelor's degree, and I I still do, a bachelor's degree in exercise science. I used to own a health club, and in that health club, I did a lot of personal training. And this was back in Lexington, Kentucky, when I used to live there. And at times, I would train people for long, extended periods of time, and there was this specific gal named Liz, and Liz was in her 60s. And I trained Liz three days a week for five years. Think of how many conversations we would have had. Three days a week for five years. Now, Liz grew up in church and was one of those people that learned about some false gods that don't exist and walked away. She was anti-religion. She was anti-church. She was for about everything that I was against. And I tried so hard... convince her to come back to church. I mean, I had all these tactics and methods and things that I had learned about to try to win people over and convert them and shared with her all the right Bible verses and years, guys, years, probably a couple years of doing this, trying to convince Liz that she needed to come back to church and she wanted nothing to do with it. And so finally I gave up. I gave up. But again, this is only two years into our five-year relationship and and just so you know, we had an incredible, incredible friendship. Kind of a side note here, Liz actually helped Emily and I with one of the, no, not one of, the biggest fight that we've ever had in our marriage of 13 years. The biggest fight we've ever had, Liz is the one, somebody that's not even, you know, doesn't even have faith in her life. She helped us in that, in that particular fight. And if you want to know, the fight was over pork and beans. I kid you not, the fight started over pork and beans. That's a, that's a story for another day. But she helped us. We loved Liz. Emily and I both did. We loved Liz. We spent time with her. We'd go out to her house out in the country. But Liz didn't want anything to do with the church. Now, notice I said that she wasn't anti-Jesus. Because she never really brought up any problems with Jesus. And I need to make a confession here. Because Liz, for so long to me, was nothing more than an agenda. A project. Somebody that I was trying to convince to believe what I believed. And so I threw a lot of facts at her, a lot of of statistics even. I threw a lot of scripture at her. And she didn't really care about any of that stuff. And then something very, very interesting happened. When I gave up, when I stopped trying to convince Liz to come to my side, I still talked about Jesus. But actually, I didn't talk about him. I spoke of him because he was the most important thing in my life. And so at this point, I'm not trying to convince, anymore, convince Liz anymore, but I'm meeting with her three times a week for years at a time. And so of course, I'm still going to talk about the most important thing in my life. It just naturally came out and something very interesting happened. Liz started to speak about Jesus with me. And then she started to speak of Jesus with me. Now Liz never came to church with me, but we moved, don't miss it. We move toward Jesus together. But it wouldn't happen until I got rid of the agenda, until I got rid of the project, and I stopped speaking about Jesus, and I started to speak of him. Here's a distinction I would make on the difference between the two. I have found over the years, when I speak about Jesus, when I talk about Jesus, sometimes it feels like I'm at a distance lobbing scriptures at people from a distance it's like yeah did you know Jesus did this and did you, did you know about this in the Bible and it kind of seems like it's, a, it's at a distance and people feel that distance and a lot of people are like I don't really care but when I speak of Jesus it's as if I'm inviting them into a more intimate part of my life talking about how he's moving in my life what he's done in my life how he's transformed my life and when I do that I invite them into this layer I would call it a layer deeper into my life and I think people really appreciate that. I think to a great extent, a lot of people are missing intimacy in their life, not sexual intimacy, just intimacy in relationships. And so when you take them a layer deeper in your life and you speak of something that's probably one of the most important things in your life, I think that they appreciate it. Here's another way I would make that distinction. Mel Gibson fans, where are you at? Any Mel Gibson fans? Yeah, look at you guys. Yeah, even heard of woo there. It came from Corey. It was kind of weird. Um, Mel Gibson. Now, I, I'm a fan of Mel Gibson. And I could talk to you about the movies that he's been in. Braveheart, some of you guys are big fans. Patriot, all the Lethal Weapon movies, right? But I became a bigger fan of Mel Gibson when he became the director of The Passion of the Christ, and not just because the movie was well done, and it was, it was probably the best depiction of the crucifixion that has ever been done in the past and even to date. But the reason I became such a big fan of his is because of how many people in Hollywood said, Mel, if you do this movie, you're wrecking your career. Like he had so much heat coming in his direction from the people in Hollywood that, man, you don't want to do this movie, you're throwing your career away, and he didn't care. I love that. Because he believed in this project so much, and he moved forward with it. Now, I could tell you things about Mel Gibson because I have watched his movies. I've learned a little bit about him. But I can't speak of Mel Gibson because I've never met the man. I can only speak about Mel Gibson because I only know facts and information about him. Let me contrast that with this lady. This is my beautiful wife, Emily. And she didn't know I was going to do this. Where is she? She's somewhere around here. This woman is truly the love of my life. She's an incredible mother and the best partner in ministry a pastor could ask for. I love how festive she is. Just this past week, she filled our house with pumpkins and leaves and other festive decorations. I love how she does that every single holiday. Her love and support make me a better pastor, make me a better father. They make me a better husband. And after all that bragging, there better be some other festivities going down tonight, if you know what I'm saying. Sorry, earmuffs kids, earmuffs, 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 I'm sorry. (laughs) Do you know why I can speak so much differently about my wife than I can of Mel Gibson? Because I know Emily. I've spent time with her, experienced struggle with her, celebrated the biggest moments of my life with her. Our relationship, don't miss this, allows me to speak of her. And not just about her. One of the main reasons that I feel that we need to stop talking about Jesus is because we know him. We spend time with him. We have experiences with him. Some of you even struggle with him. I've been there. And so if I speak of Jesus the same way that I would speak about Mel Gibson, I'm likely to leave people with some good information at best And at worst, a description of someone, some facts about someone that it sounds like I don't even know. Are you starting to see the distinction? We can't speak of of Jesus the same way that we talk about people like Mel Gibson. About three or four years ago, I was on a plane. And... I sat, beside, sat down beside this gal, and we started a conversation. And I, and I know as soon as I start a conversation, it's a matter of time before I'm asked what I do for a living. And she did ask me at some point, hey, what do you do for a living? And now my secret's out. I'm a pastor, and I've learned that this can either shut down the conversation or it can escalate the conversation with a lot of questions because people want to know, you know, well, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about the Bible? What, all this stuff. And so we began this conversation, and she let me know really quickly, hey, I believe in God, and she started telling me all these things about God that she believed, and I started to pick up that her view of God was inaccurate. She had learned about some false gods in her life, and I, I, again, as a pastor, sometimes I feel it necessary. It's like, I don't want you to leave here without me having the opportunity to try to help you to understand the God that I know, and so I, I, I said, you know what? She had finally shared one more thing that was not true, and I said, you know, that's not exactly accurate, and I gave her some scriptures to justify my position of where I was coming from, and she looked at me and she said, see, that's the problem with all you pastors, you're always quoting scripture. Like, yeah, I guess we are, I mean, that's kind of part of my job, but, but that statement, that statement stuck out to me because I heard something different in her voice when she said that, and it stuck with me a long time, and it kind of made me look within, kind of do a spirit check, and I asked myself a few questions, are my interactions with other people about Jesus simply me sharing information? Because Jesus dying on a cross for you, for me, it wasn't so we could just share information. It was so that we could talk about transformation and talk about the formation of how we're becoming like him or hoping to. And so when our faith simply becomes about sharing information, people aren't interested, and they leave the church they turn their back on God because it shouldn't just be about information and so I want to take a moment just confess and all of you in this room and I'll look in the camera for all those that may be watching online today if you've ever been on the other end of a Jesus conversation and all that was given to you was a bunch of information I'm sorry personally I can't speak for everybody else but I think I can speak on behalf of Jesus and his church the church that he's hoping to create with all of her flaws at times, including this one. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that the only Jesus you experienced was a Jesus full of information because it's not just about information. I think about Peter in this very subject because Peter, don't forget, had a moment in his life where he denied Jesus. Can you imagine denying the Savior that you got to walk with and spend time with? And so keep that in mind when you hear Peter say these words. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Now, you've got to hear that differently because coming from Peter, Peter's like, I've been there where I was asked and I denied. And Peter says, listen, man, if anybody ever asks about the hope that you have in Jesus, be ready to explain it. And when you're ready to explain it, it shouldn't sound like a bunch of information. It should sound like a story of what Jesus is doing in your life and how he's helping you to see other people and stop focusing so much on yourself and how he's teaching you to leave traces of his love all over this city and how he can do that for the people that you're talking to if they'll give him a chance. Guys, I love, love this book. And it has shaped my life in so many ways, but... A lot of people don't care about this book. A lot of people don't care what's in here, and it's come under scrutiny a lot, especially in our day and age. And One of the things I'm finding is that if my faith is nothing more, nothing more than me sharing a bunch of facts that come out of this book, I lose people. I lose their attention, I lose their focus, I lose their their, um, ability to care about what I'm talking about. But when I speak of Jesus... I learned that people actually will tune in when I speak of him. I don't hear what I'm not, ex- not saying because I do believe this, this book right here is extremely important. But something that is even more important than this book is how we use it. It's how we use it. So often this book has been used to hurt people, validate agendas that God wants no part of. So often this book has been used to prove points. Rather than to learn about Jesus, I call it point-proving theology, meaning people's only agenda in going into this book is to uh, pull something out of it so that they can prove a point, win a fight, win an argument. And when this book is used for that purpose, God says, you've gotten it wrong. You've gotten it wrong. That's not why I gave you this book. God is not interested in us going into this book so that we can simply know more about him. Information. God wants us to get into this book so that we can know him. Because when we get to know him, we will actually speak of him because we speak of people that we know. Just stare at that statement. Let me tell you about the Jesus that I'm coming to know even more that I'm learning about from this book. The Jesus I've come to know and now speak of, he walked on water, he brought the dead back to life, he healed people of diseases, he also lived an interruptible life, we talked about that a few weeks ago, and he stopped for people who needed him. He had conversations with prostitutes, he knelt down and washed people's feet, he sat beside a woman at a well, and even though she had a sex-filled life and was living adulterous relationships and full of shame, he offered her living water an eternal life. He also allowed himself to be arrested. He allowed himself to be crucified for you and for me. This sounds like somebody that I want to move towards. Can we move in his direction together today? Can we move in his direction together today? For some of us, Your takeaway this morning is that you need to kill off some gods in your life. And we are going to spend more time on that subject in the future. We'll probably do a a whole series on killing gods. That ought to get some people's attention. For others, you need to stop talking about Jesus and start speaking of him. Now, if you hear that statement and you think, but I really don't feel like I know him, that's okay. Keep coming every Sunday. Because we're working really hard, I promise you, you'd be surprised how much time goes into us thinking about what we're going to be talking about on Sunday mornings. We'll move in his direction together. That's our promise to you. We'll move in his direction together. So if right now you're thinking, man, I don't know if I know him, keep coming. Every Sunday, don't miss a Sunday. Because if you do, you're going to hell. No, I'm just kidding, that was guilt God. <laughs> That's guilt God, guys, I was just, just full circle there, full circle. <laughs> come back, come back, all right. But for some of you, for some of you, your move today in his direction is actually the biggest move of your life. For some of you, your your move is actually putting your life in his hands for the first time. I don't know why you put it off. Maybe it's because of a false god that you were taught or something that you observed, other Christians, and you saw something. It's like, I don't know if I really want to be a part of that. Maybe for good reason. But your move today is going to be giving him your life to finally hand over the keys and make Jesus the Lord of your life and out of the same breath that verse I shared that Peter said a little bit earlier about being ready to give the hope that you have in Jesus Peter also said this Christ suffered for our sins once for all time he never sinned but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God I absolutely love that statement he died so that he could bring you safely home safely home he suffered physical death but he was raised to life in the spirit and he wants to raise you to life in his spirit I want to give you that opportunity today next week we're actually going to have baptisms here and so if you've never put your faith in Jesus guys that's where it starts that's where it all starts and be careful that you don't go back to guilt God because oftentimes people's response is i need to get my life cleaned up first like i know i'm supposed to be baptized i know this is something that i need to do but let me go get my life cleaned up first that's an aspect of guilt god because guilt god is saying yeah you no 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 you don't need to make this move yet you go get your life figured out first put that off where jesus is saying whoa 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 you come to me first and we're going to help figure your life out that's his message And so if you've never put your faith in him, if you've never trusted him with your life, that is where it starts. Maybe you need to get rid of some false gods. Maybe you need to get rid of some of the things that you've learned in the past about who he isn't. And today, move in his direction and give him your life. I'm going to pray for us. And if that's you, Corey's going to come up. He's going to lead us in a time of response and reflection. The worship team is going to lead us in another song. I'm going to be over here and uh, Corey, I think, is going to be over on this side, and uh, after he explains what we're going to do, he'll do that in just a second, um, come talk to us. If you need to make that move, if you need to put your life in Jesus' hands for the first time, hand it over, hand it over, and let's move in his direction together. Let me pray. Father, God, we come to you right now, and There's so many other things that we could have talked about this morning when it comes to the false gods that we've come to believe in, things that have been represented to us inaccurately, which has led many people to unnecessarily leave your church, your bride. And so, Father, I pray that you show us what our move is, whether we need to kill a false god in our life, whether we need to get more involved in your word, not to know more about you, but to know you so that we can speak of you We need your partnership, Father, and we know we have it. But for those that have hesitated to hand their life over to you, God, would you make sure that they kill the God off that says, hey, go get your life figured out first. That's what you're supposed to do. And then you can come and join my family. Then I will bring you home, as we read from Peter. No, that's a false God. We need to kill that God. Remind them that you want them to come broken and messy and screwed up and everything that they bring to the table, all the baggage you want it all and then you want to help them move forward with your help God, thanks for the opportunity to have a real conversation I pray that this church is becoming a place for people that can say I'm home I'm home I love you Lord Thanks for giving me the opportunity to speak on your behalf. I pray this in Christ's name.